Welcome to Inspiring Women with Lori McGraw. I am your host, Lori McGraw. I have spent the past 30 years in leadership, and over the years, I've come to learn one thing. Women need women, and not just any women, but inspiring women. Tune in every week to hear from women at the pinnacle of their careers and from others who are just starting out. Episodes can be found at inspiringwomen.show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening, and I hope you will be inspired. Welcome to this episode of Inspiring Women, and today we're talking with Dr. Maruna Sasu. Now, Dr. Sasu is the Chief Strategy Officer of CODA, which is a company that focuses on data and analytics, working on cancer, the research and how to advance care patterns um, with cancer. Now, most recently, Maruna was the head of Johnson & Johnson's Clinical Trial Feasibility and Advanced Analytics team. She's got over 20 years of experience leading life science sciences organizations. And she is an accomplished executive with a track record, having driven broad-based digital innovation at organizations like Johnson & Johnson and Bristol-Myers Squibb. She has a PhD in biology and statistics, a master's in business administration. And Dr. Sasu, I am so excited to be speaking with you today on Inspiring Women. Same here, Lori. Thanks so much for having me. Very excited for our conversation. Great. Well, I want to get into what you do, but I also want to say, you know, congratulations, you're a new mom. So that's also pretty exciting. And I want to talk about, you know, how you do that with your executive professional career as well. But as we always start on inspiring women, I'd like to get a sense for what are you doing right now? What are you doing professionally? You've been in this role at CODA for about half a year. What's your, what does your day-to-day look like? Yeah, great question. I love that. Thanks very much for the congrats. It's a it's a really wonderful thing being a mother. I in my personal life, certainly I will get into that in a little bit later, but uh, my professional life, my role here at CODA is chief strategy officer. So my remit is really about understanding the competitive landscape, understanding our competitors as well as our clients, and really bringing the company into, into that future vision and, and uh, putting an operations plan around that future vision. So what we do here at CODA, as you very well stated, is we um, actually work with uh, electronic medical records and data. And we make sense of that data and we analyze it for doctors at uh, healthcare provider sites, as well as life science companies. And so in order for us to always be on the cutting edge of that, we have to utilize, um, you know, advanced analytics, as well as data science, and so on and so forth. So we always have to keep ourselves and our company on the cutting edge. And to do that, we really have to go through a visioning exercise every so often to ensure that we have the right technology, the right people, and that we're moving in the direction, not only with our competitors, but also ahead of our competitors. So that is my role here. Um, In addition to that, 
I am a life science company expert. As you uh, mentioned, I worked at Johnson & Johnson as well as Bristol-Myers Squibb. And so I'm kind of a, an insider from that perspective. And so really understanding our clients and, and what they need and what they will need for the future is something that I have brought to CODA to help with that visioning exercise. So the, in a nutshell, that is uh, on, on a daily basis what I what I do. Um, I lead teams and I and I am leading the company into that future vision uh, that, that we're all so excited about. Well, Maruna, you've been, um, you know, your background in statistics and life sciences, that seems like it perfectly situates you for CODA, about, you know, a 10-year-old company in the space of analytics. And we'll talk about big data because that's sort of, a, that is an emergent field and a critical field and lots to parse through there. But let's talk about you. So how, how did you get there? You've got a biology background, you've got a statistics background. How did you take steps career-wise? Did you have a vision of where you were Going? Did you just fall into the next next thing? I always like for women who executives, the how did you get there uh, story is always really helpful to listeners. Yeah, great question. And something I'm really passionate about is, is helping women and other uh, people who want to uh, advance in their careers kind of get to that next step. So the way I did was I decided very early on when my family and I kind of went through what am I going to do for the rest of my life? I really decided early on, I'm going to go pursue the highest level of education I possibly can. And that is what springboarded me into a lot of different opportunities. And to start with, when I went from my bachelor's degree to, to the PhD program, I had a very, very interesting decision to make. Would I go get my MD or would I go get my PhD? And that decision was made very, very easy because uh, I am I, I'm not able to be in a hospital. <laughs> <laughs> so I decided to go get my PhD. And after I finished my PhD, uh, my journey throughout that PhD time, I thought to myself, do I want to be an academic? Do I want to be a professor or do I want to go into industry? And it took me a while to understand where I, where I really wanted to go. I decided I was going to try to go into industry for a lot of reasons, but from there, I sort of said, what, what do I have to do to line up opportunities for myself after a doctorate degree to get into industry? And I ended up going through a pathway uh, in the federal government. So from my doctorate degree, I applied to a whole bunch of different jobs and I decided to go with a, a role at the Department of Agriculture. I was their sort of first and only statistician at that time because I decided my statistics degree was going to be the selling point to, uh, to non-academic jobs. So I went there and I performed a statistician's role for about a year and a half when they decided, hey, I think she can actually lead people. And so why don't we have her build us an ecosystem for data capture and analytics within uh, the food safety inspection service. And I did that for quite a few years, um, after which and during which I, I was networking a lot. And, um, and really the next step for me was one that I, that I decided to take because of a personal situation. And that was my grandfather was diagnosed 
with stage four lung cancer. And um, I have a, a very, very soft spot in my heart for my grandfather. He and my grandmother raised me while I was uh, still living in Romania, which is something we can talk about as well. But uh, he was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer and I and entered a clinical trial, which saved his life. And when that happened, I said, I want to work for the company that made that happen for me. And I want to do it for other people. That is, you know, the per- those personal moments. And so, first of all, um, I'm sorry you had that experience. And, you know, I just, you know, those family moments which impact you and shape you in ways, but then drive you to a passion and to fulfill something, to do something about it. That makes sense to me. And, you know, I know many people like yourself who have pursued next level impactful careers because of something that influenced them deeply personally. Maruna, when you had that sort of aha, I want to pursue, I want to have that impact. I also think it's interesting that the background in statistics, I mean, we all know about big data today. We all know how important that is, but you know, 15 years ago, uh, 20 years ago, statisticians, we weren't talking about um, big data. How did that connection happen? And how did you know that that would become, you know, a really uh, great place to double down focus on? Because in the strategy that you lead now, it's all about big data to get to insights to advance cancer treatments. Yeah, absolutely. I've always been attracted to to uh, math and analytics, always, which is part of the reason that my second PhD is is in statistics. So when I left academia, I I very quickly realized that biology, my biology degree, was going to get me into sort of into the industry through a lab pathway. And I said, I'm not sure that I want to go in that direction. So the data space is a place I was always good at math. I was always good at statistics. And so I thought, let me just try this for a while. Let me just apply to some statistician roles. And I was pretty good at it and I enjoyed it. And big data really didn't come into the picture until I would say six or seven years back when, when I started incubating companies that have data, right? At the time, electronic medical records curation was not really being done at scale. And so um, it was almost a close my eyes and dream type of scenario. How could I take big data, put it at the core of what a pharmaceutical company does, you know, the, the data that is not clinical trial data, for example. And so when that, that became a reality, um, when we started working with companies like Coda, to make the data, to really put together the data set that we would need for these analytics. And some of the most interesting outcomes that we have had out of these analytics have come from big data. So I got even more interested in in big data and decided to come to Coda and actually make it. So it really has been uh, a journey for me. And big data has always been at the top of my mind but it didn't start there. My thinking wasn't let's let's go after big data. It was let's go after trying to answer the really pertinent medical questions that we need to extend patients' lives. 
Well, in that, and your background, um, you know, seems perfectly aligned to where we are now. I mean, we're at a time in healthcare where big data, innovation, digital advancement, it is happening at a, I think, accelerated and unprecedented um, pace. Some of that is uh, most undoubtedly the pandemic, but that is, but these trends have been um, coming for a bit of time. So when, when the work that you're doing now, some of the things that I've read about interviews that you've done, writings that you've um, put forward that you really want to turn the spigot on, you know, when it comes to oncology and solving some of the very complex issues there. So how are you thinking about it? One of the things that anyone who knows anything about big data is that it's messy data at best, and that's part of the issue to get to insight. So how are you thinking about those problems? And how, how do you expect to advance in those areas? Ah, yeah, I love that. I love that question. So the first thing we had to do was to have access to this big data. And now we do, especially in oncology. There are many companies, um, not just CODA, that are that are going after this and, and have data arsenals. So having the data is actually tremendously important and now allows the analytics that we need to answer those big questions. So now that we have that and that we're growing that, we have to think about, and many of the many of the issues that you've listed are, are very, very pertinent to, um, to everyone in the industry. The questions around data missingness and methodologies that are needed to account for that so that we can, when we make sense of the data and when we analyze it, it, it the methodologies are appropriate. Um, and statistical, traditional statistical methods are fine, but you're right. They don't necessarily always uh, account for and correct for some of the things that big data and messy data, for example, innately have, right? And so the methodologies are just as important as the data itself. So now we're thinking about algorithms and analytical methodologies that are needed to make sense of the data that we have in its current state. And of course, part of that is not just how do we analyze the data that we have, but how do we potentially make the data better? And so some of the algorithms and, and artificial intelligence that you're going to hear about over the next few years as well are not only to analyze the data and to answer questions like how do we extend patients' lives, they're also to go in and really make the data more palatable to an algorithm and to make it in a to, to put it in a better format to to be consumed by algorithms that need to answer those questions. Maruna, uh, one of the other angles that I wanted to ask you about on these problems and getting to the insights of the data is the human capital, the talent to work on these problems. So, I mean, you know, you are a double PhD, a data scientist, an expert yourself, but you're also one of few um, data scientists that are women. There are far more men in this field. And we also know that there are simply not enough data scientists or you know, professionals to work on these problems. And beyond just the gender differences, we also know that you know, the BIPOC, um, the levels of uh, racial differences and biases that might be within data are part of the problems. So what are you seeing? Are we making progress there? Do we have enough talent? Um, do we have enough pipeline of 
of talent? And if we don't, should we be optimistic about this? I'd love your thoughts on that, those areas. We can do more here. We can do more. I would say we don't have enough talent. Do we have the right talent? That's something to be debated as well. I think one of the misconceptions about what, how you can analyze data and how you can, you know, make a difference in this space is that you have to be a data scientist. I don't actually think that's true. A data scientist come in many forms. So there are mathematicians, there are statisticians, there are data scientists that work, for example, just in machine learning. There are data scientists that work, for example, just in analytical algorithms. And there are data scientists that work on IT systems. So there are a lot of different pathways that folks that have a math degree or or can go into um, math because of, for example, they have a genetics degree. Um, there are many, many ways to take a degree and actually practice data analytics. So do I think that we have enough people in this space? I think number one, it's, um, we don't have enough people in this space. So I would love to see campaigns about how folks that want to potentially pursue a career here can get there. I think it's very challenging to understand what jobs might be available for folks who have this type of proclivity, for example, or, or, or if they want to, to go in this direction. How do you actually get there? What jobs to look for and what job descriptions to go after? Even if you don't say have 100% of all of the attributes on a job description? Do you even apply to a job, for example, in this space? I think that's one aspect of it. And the second aspect of it is having the ability to sort of take a next step and maybe try something in, in this area. I think a lot of folks think, oh no, I'm a geneticist by trade or, oh, I have a bachelor's degree in psychology, for example. So I could never do this. I'm interested in it, but I could never do it. I would say that's not true. I think part of it is having educational opportunities and having the colleges and universities be able to steer students in the right pathway and the way to get there. Because a lot of times these roles are um, a little bit confusing, to be honest. Well, it's also, it's emerging. And so that's actually encouraging, quite frankly, to, you know, that your view is a more expansive versus narrow, um, you know, set of skills that can be used and pointed at solving some of these really got, I mean, I view them as super complex problems, but with tremendous opportunity, which doesn't mean there's a clear path, but that, you know, if there are more opportunities to um, address these problems from different angles, skill sets, you know, as long as, you know, as you're suggesting that there's a math or orientation and we'll call that STEM, you know, it's something where there's a lot of attention to building out more STEM capabilities in both schooling and other things. So that's very, very encouraging. Maruna, I'd love to turn the conversation a bit to, um, you know, what's going on in your life. So you are a new mother and you took this new executive role when you were far along in um, your pregnancy and you've talked a bit about modern motherhood. You know, what does it look like now that you could take on a new executive role while at the same time beginning your family. So first of all, again, congratulations, but tell us what's going on there and your thoughts. You've got some really interesting ideas that I think are really relevant for today's time. 
Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, it's been such a pleasure. My son is is an amazing addition to our family, and we're so excited to have him. So I did take uh, my current role, which is a very senior role. While I was pretty pretty far along in my pregnancy, it was a, a career decision I made with my husband. I have been very lucky to have an incredibly supporting husband and someone that in my life that I absolutely could not live without. But I think one aspect of, of what I'd like to convey is your support system doesn't have to come from necessarily a significant other. I also have a very supportive family. I have um, my brother and my mother at this, at this point as well, who have always been huge supporters. And I would say, even if you don't have any of those things, the network that you create can be a supporting network and, and building that supporting network is the number one step to doing something like, for example, moving from Johnson and Johnson, who a lot of folks said, why are you moving from Johnson and Johnson? Right. It's crazy, right? Everybody wants to, you're at the peak of your career. Johnson and Johnson is the place to be. And that's, that's true for a lot of folks. Um, and for me, it was a calculated risk. It was a calculated decision that I made with my support system. And I'd say that aspect of it, it can't, you cannot live without that aspect of it. Create yourself a support system that you can trust when you're making decisions in your life to, to give it to you straight. So that is, that's the number one, one piece. The second piece is for me, I've always been a bit of a risk taker. Um, everyone who knows me, I'm, I'm usually, people hire me for a couple of reasons, right? Um, one is if you're looking for big ideas, Maruna's your girl. Um, <laughs> if you're looking to change something drastically, Maruna's your girl. And I've always been a bit of a risk taker. That may not be you, right? And so, but you have to make the right decision for you. For me, it's always about being intellectually stimulated and, and have being fulfilled on several different levels. My family certainly is one of them, but I need to be doing something with my brain. I need to be stimulated in an intellectual way. And so when I have done something and I feel something is complete, I need to move on to the next uh, endeavor. And that's where I was in my career. And this was the opportunity for me. And when I made that decision, it was all about being fulfilled on those levels. Motherhood is certainly one, uh, but intellectually is, a, is another. Well, I love the way that you talk about motherhood. And just to read a quote from you, this is what modern motherhood look should look like, strong, determined, supported, and fulfilled. And I think that those are very powerful words and a terrific description, you know, for others to hear as everyone's navigating. That's a, always a big part of a life change um, with motherhood. So Marina, this is, I, there's so many different angles to this that I'd love to talk to you about, but, you know, just in the time that we've got, you know, as you you um, are at this next level, executive level of your career, as we close out Inspiring Women, I'd just love to get your closing thoughts of, you know, advice you might have, the things that meant the most to you, whether it was a book that you read or a person that was influential in helping you um, establish the next steps of your executive career. Would you mind just giving some comments there? Certainly. The one thing I want to make sure our listeners understand is that 
no matter what dream you have, no matter what inspiration you might have, it's all okay. It's okay to pursue it. You should pursue it, whatever that is. That may be different for me than it is for others as well. So I do have a couple of very, very big supporters in my life. My husband, again, is, is someone I, I could absolutely not live without. He is my rock and someone that I trust just absolutely completely and helps me make decisions that are best for me and that are best for us. That's a really big, important part in, in having someone you trust to run your ideas by and to, to sort of say, does this make sense? How do we, how do we go about this? I would also leave you with this. It is truly, there's never a right time for these moves to be made. Becoming a mother was not necessarily something we were planning on exactly at this moment in our life. It, me moving to CODA in an executive role, it was not exactly something that we were planning on at this point in, in my life necessarily. But when it comes, you should have the courage and fortitude and the support system to be able to make a call. And I think that is truly, truly freeing. There's never a right time. And if you go after it, when you go after it is the time that is right for you. So I will just leave our listeners with that. There is never a wrong time. You should go after your dreams and always pursue your desires and your potential future. Those are really strong words and terrific advice, as well as having, you know, the trusted support from others to help you on that journey. This has been an excellent, inspiring women conversation. I've been speaking with Dr. Maruna Sasu and Maruna, thank you so much. And thank you, Lori. This has been an episode of Inspiring Women with Lori McGraw. Please subscribe, rate, and review. We are produced by Kate Cruz at Executive Podcast Solutions. More episodes can be found on inspiringwomen.show. I am Lori McGraw, and thank you for listening.